Hey yo! Today we are breaking down naming feeling versus naming. I don't know which way I put it, but either way, <laughs> it's just this thought that sometimes there's a lot of complexity that goes around the feelings that we have and the stories that are associated with those things. And a lot of the stories that we've been told about feelings are misguiding us and possibly hurting us. So I want us to get real specific with what that feeling means to us and even stop naming it. I know that that sounds crazy and risky, but if we can't wrap our minds around the story we want to tell around that feeling, right, if we can't change that story then we're probably going to have to take a little break from naming feelings for a while. Okay? It's all related to the stories that you're telling yourself around these things. It's really important that we get a grasp on that. Let's go. This is the Death of a Dream podcast with your host, Hannah Ness. Uh, The Death of a Dream really is my expression from the start of a very sad and low and unaligned place in life where I was struggling with so many living beliefs, so many people telling me that I couldn't just go live my dream life. And it really walks every day through what it looks like to transition out of a life that's just fine and into a life that I wanted to live. And so this is just the daily journal of what that looked like for me. You can take whatever you need from here. Um, I talk through different things that I read, different things that helped me through, different moments and different blocks that I had to break down to get to this better place. And alignment for me looks like being a serial entrepreneur and, um, being able to write and speak and talk through what life looks like for me and how other people are pursuing their dreams. So the death of a dream really is just a journey out of that place and into a new and true place. Glad you're here. Hey, welcome. Uh, today, let's go ahead and ground ourselves in all of our greatness. My great thing is I have filled an entire journal. I also heard from a listener that um, she also filled her first journal. And we should always take time to celebrate that because usually journal pages are around 90 pages. Um, sometimes more, sometimes less. But That means that you've adopted it to the point where it just is common practice. That doesn't mean that you're not going to fall off for a couple of days. But even if you fall off, right, when we're creating a habit that becomes sustainable, we can actually see how it impacts us when we do or don't do it. And so we go back to it. And so anytime that you have filled a journal, anytime that you have done something for that many days in a row or that consecutively, uh, you should celebrate. 
you should be excited. You should take time to ground yourself in the greatness of just that very act of greatness grounding. Because major shifts coming your way, right? It's it's a frequency. We're matching the frequency of greatness by creating an illusion around it in the beginning, but eventually you get really good at it. And I'm guessing if you filled an entire journal full, you're beginning to see how amazing you are and the vibe is different. You can't even tell me that it's not, right? Like, imagine starting your day by announcing to yourself how amazing you are, what amazing accomplishments you're achieving. Imagine how that impacts your confidence. And then once we get our confidence going a little bit, because when we're living in suffering and we're not acknowledging how amazing we are, right? Our life tends to reflect that. We're the ones writing that story. Do you realize how powerful this is? And so when we start to change the conversation around ourselves, imagine how our life shifts. Imagine how things align like they didn't before, right? And you're, you're looking around and you're going, huh, wow, life was really difficult. What was the change? What was, what was the impact? What did I do? And it's the impact of a lot of things, but Literally, like loving yourself and confidence are two of the most important core things that we can do for ourselves. And so greatness, grounding calls into play both of those things, highlights them, makes them something very important. And if we just started there, if we only did that one thing and nothing else, we would still see a shift. You can't tell me that if you've been doing this practice that you haven't seen significant shifts in your confidence, in your life, and the way that it flows and the risks that you're willing to take, right? Are you doing more? Are you living more life than you were before? I'm not saying that we're all perfect and that everything's wonderful because of greatness grounding, but like grand scheme, comparably, has life gotten better? you know, and I can definitely say that mine has. And there are days where we fall back, we struggle, but for the most part, right, life is falling into that vibration. I am attracting more things that I wanted than ever before. And it start with it starts with having the confidence to say what those things are. And a lot of us don't have that because we're sitting in these victim places where we're going, oh, I suck. I'm sad. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? There's, there's nothing wrong with you. You're amazing. The problem isn't that there's something wrong with you. The problem is that there's something wrong with the way that you're celebrating yourself because you're not, right? If you're sitting in this state of like, I suck, I'm terrible, nothing's going right, I'm the worst human that's ever walked this planet, imagine the kind of people and opportunities you attract. And imagine how your ability to take a chance on yourself is markedly lower. There's not a chance. When you think you suck, then you probably aren't going to go, you know, I'm going to just bet on myself. I think that's a good idea. No, you're not betting on people that suck. Not a chance. Not a chance. 
And so, right, let's go ahead and just guarantee that you're worth the bet. Let's just start practicing that celebration mode. Let's do that. See what that looks like. Let's trial that. Okay. That's my great thing slash someone else's great thing. Um, But you should know that if you've implemented this for 60 to 90 days, big stuff. You're probably starting to see major shifts in the reality that you're creating for yourself. Um, And just that one little thing, it seems so small and so insignificant. And probably when you started, you were like, this is weird. I'm not great at this. This is awkward. But if you kept going and outlasted that, my guess is you're seeing a trickle down effect of life changes. And it's not because it was easy and you were great at it from the start. It's literally because you're calling those things into your life. Like it can't even help but come to you because you're, you're the one writing that story. And we're actually going to talk about that today. Wow. It's almost like I planned this. I think I said that yesterday, but Somehow we always wrap it all together, right? Okay, so ground yourself in your greatness that it is a practice that is life-changing. And I only speak to the instance where I saw this change work. When we do this work to ground ourselves, to create the frequency illusion of greatness, we attract great things. We hire our vibe. We are officially more confident than we were before. We decide that we're worth the risk, that we can do bigger things than we thought we could before. And it just starts to shift your frequency at which you operate, period. And so, okay, why aren't you doing it? Oh, you are. Okay, good. Do it. Um, And people do this on teams. I... I um, coached volleyball for a long time, and I was amazed at the shift in confidence, the shift in our team camaraderie, right? Because we started to see people on this team seeing what mattered to their teammates, seeing other people grow in their own confidence and wanting more of theirs. And again, it seems like something so small, but like you're establishing and creating a new frequency. You want greatness. You're the one that has to write that story. And this is a great way to get started. Okay. So I've been continually learning this lesson and usually I allow it to come in three times before I bring it to the show, before I know that it's meant to come here if I don't feel well-versed in it. And so here we are. Um, The third time that this lesson played to me was this morning in my morning readings. And so I was like, okay, let's go ahead and go there. And here is the thing. And this podcast really is just like one great big story. Um, That's my vision for it is like, eventually, each year, each season of my life, um, there will be books that correlate with what I was going through in that moment. And eventually, it'll be like this big, long, 
greatness journey that played out in front of all of us. Like, go ahead, call your shot. Yeah, calling that shot all day long. I, and I don't know when or where, but this is this is the route that I'm taking and these are the things that I want. And so it's a story, right? And I love the importance of story, literally building a tech startup around that idea of like, if storytelling ceases to exist, if it never happened again, we wouldn't know how things work. And here's, here's what I want to explain on that. So if I come into this world and I grow up and someone tells me, hey, this is a knife, but it's actually a pen, right? And they're like, we use knives and, and they tell me the same functions that a knife works for, but it's a pen. Okay. And I'm like, okay, I have this knife, but it's a pen. I have this knife and I'm going to spread butter with it. And I go tell everyone like, Hey, this is amazing. This spreads butter so well. It cuts things so well. I can't even believe that this exists for this purpose. It's perfect for spreading jam on my toast in the morning. I love this knife, but it's a pen. And no one else was told that same story because they actually know a knife to be a knife. And they know that this works way better than a pen would ever work to spread butter or jam or whatever, right? And so when I come tell them, oh my gosh, you've never used this knife, that's a pen, to spread your butter. You use this, right? And the only way that they change that is they tell me a different story. Hey, I don't know who told you that that's a knife and that that's what that's used for, but it's not. That's actually a pen and it's used to write and it doesn't really make any sense to spread butter because it's circular, because you might get ink in it. It's, it probably can't go in the dishwasher. So how are you even maintaining this pen, knife, pen? Right? And I'm like, wait, what? My ancestors have led me astray. But literally, like if you're told a story around something, that is how you create what it is. Huh? Okay, you get where I'm going here. No, you probably don't yet, right? Oh my gosh, what is she talking about? A pen? Oh, hey there, Cardinal, right outside my window. It's great to see you. Thank you. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so it's a pen. And I didn't know that it was used for writing. I only knew that it was used for spreading butter and jam on bread and cutting things. And it doesn't work well. And so when I'm told a different story about a knife, what a knife actually is, how a knife can be used, guess what happens? I go, oh my gosh, why wasn't I always using a knife? Why didn't I know that a knife existed? Why did someone tell me that this pen was it? And so much of our lives are created around stories we're told early on. And a lot of times we don't question them, right? Like, I don't know, that 
a pen wouldn't not work to spread butter and jam. It wouldn't be the best thing for it, but it probably could work, right? And so (laughs) how many things are like that? And I don't want you to think about just physical things because a lot of the physical things we know to be true have great stories that go along with them. And we know that a pen doesn't work to spread butter and jam on your toast in the morning and to cut things. It's not a great thing. We know that, right? You're going, Hannah, that would never happen. But think about your feelings, okay? Because how we feel about things about different diagnoses, about pain, about um, different things that we've experienced. A lot of those things were written into stories early on. And so this is what I've been hearing over and over and over again, is like, don't name the feeling. Don't give it a name. And the reason why is because a lot of the feelings that we have are based on stories that we wrote a long time ago that maybe don't serve us in the space that we're in now. So if I would say, I'm feeling um, depressed. I'm feeling depressed. Then I think about what that means to me. What story have I been told about depression? What story have I been told about what it means to be depressed? And then I allow myself to go there because that's what I believe it means. Versus, right, in this new instance where we don't name it that, because naming it that instantly assigns it to that story, instantly takes us to that place. We're just establishing the feeling without assigning a story to it, right? Does a pen work great? No. So should I go search for something else? What am I healing here? And It's not an avoidance as much as it is treating what you're feeling versus what you're being told to feel. Does that make sense? Right? Does that make sense? Because when we're told something, when we're told a story around an object, around a feeling, around anything like that, When we're told something, we cling to it as truth and it isn't always, right? Even if it comes from a doctor, that doesn't always mean that it's true. And so when we're talking about shifting our frequency, shifting our energy, a lot of times we have to shift the power back and we shift the power back when we write the story again, right? When we decide what the terms look like for a given disease, for a given ailment, for a given pain, for a given feeling, when we're deciding what that is to us, we're not letting someone else assign that. And so many of us just carry these bags and bags of stories that we were told, which is like, it's human nature. It's a beautiful thing. But if 
if your family or main teacher had a problem with like crippling anxiety and you saw what that looked like and you felt what that felt like as someone who saw that, right? And saw the effects of that and saw what that looked like firsthand, then you can imagine the second that you get anxiety, it's instantly crippling and you can just see yourself cycling there. Well, yeah, of course you see that. Of course you do. It's a story that you saw play out. It's a story that you've been told since probably the day that you were born, right? That anxiety is bad and it's crippling and it's whatever, but you're the one that gets to change that narrative and just establish the feeling. Just recognize the feeling. What am I feeling? And how do I know how to fix it? Right? Because we have the key. And some of us get into these really deep circles of unalignment and disease. And so sometimes we do have to lean on professionals. Absolutely. No question. There are some things that can just not be healed fully without that help. But also, what does empowerment look like to you? What does taking back the narrative of those things look like to you? How many things did you write in because of what you saw and heard growing up or even into adulthood? What are the things that you're assigning to some of these ailments you have, right? The assignment that I got that I did not like, that I decided that I was going to just change, was that my knee was decrepit and unusable. And that I would be in pain and swelling for the rest of my days. And I would be lucky to keep this knee pain-free. Actually, no, no, no. I would be lucky to keep this knee until I was 40 and I would never be pain-free ever. Not something that could happen. And then I just decided like, I don't really like that. I don't like that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to live in pain forever. No, thank you. Right? And I just decided that that wasn't really for me. And I wanted to change that story. But I had to decide that I wanted to give that up. Right? Because it is easier. It's easier to just go, hmm, I'm in pain and I don't know how to fix it. And I need everyone to help me out of this place. Because I don't know how to get out. It's the story. It always comes back to the story. It always comes back to what we're telling ourselves. What are you telling yourself over and over and over again? Right? And I experienced this recently within the last couple of days where it was just like, I'm, I'm the one 
writing in impossibility or lowness or anything. Like, I'm the one giving it that assignment. I'm the only one. I could assume other people are writing that story, but that doesn't matter. That doesn't impact me. That's nothing that I can control. And so the only thing in my control is the story that I'm telling myself. And is that a story of empowerment? Is that a story of new heights? Or is that a story of impossibility and lowness? I get to decide that. And I don't believe that it leaves with just like mindset training. I think it's also disease and anxiety and depression. And like, think of the things that you feel when you experience that. Are those things, are those symptoms, in quotes, things that you experience because you're actually feeling it? Or are you experiencing it because you've been told that that is how you would feel? Right? Because you've been taught that that's how it would feel. Because you felt it the one time it got overwhelming, right? You didn't know how to cope, which like children, right, don't know how to cope with all of the, like, all of the emotions that you're given. We don't know how to do that. That's, that's a part of growing up, right? And even into adulthood, I got to be honest. Um, we, we don't know how to cope with these things. And a lot of times we don't know how because we haven't been given stories around those things. I, for me, I felt like that was something that was avoided. We focused on the things that we could check box on, right? And I love my children's school because they're bringing a lot of these feelings and emotions and trainings on how to manage those things into the school day versus, you know, let's go ahead and learn how to multiply and write things with letters. Let's do those things. No, like let's learn how to handle our emotions. That's probably more important. And so, but even there, right, we run the risk of assigning stories early on. But I think one of the most important things that they're doing is telling students to feel, to feel that, and then and maybe we need to work on this, but then they're assigning, right, of, of what that feeling is. Is it anger? Is it overwhelm? And this is the part where we don't need to assign that. We just need to treat the feeling, right? And we need to keep the terminology out of it because terminology a lot of times is assigned to a story that's either going to help us out or help us down, right? Pull us down. We know what this feeling is and we want to live true to that feeling and to that story. 
right? We know, oh no, oh no, I feel anxiety coming on. Well, okay. So we either need to rewrite what anxiety is. And for me, anytime that I feel like a rush of anxiety or adrenaline, and I learned this from, uh, I think it was Bobby Bones on the Bobby Bones show. And he's like, I just rewrote that story. Like, I'm not nervous. I'm excited. I'm excited about whatever I'm going to do, about going on stage, about going to speak. Like, it's not nerves for me. It's excitement. When those butterflies come up, it's excitement. I'm excited. That's adrenaline and it's going to empower me to come out and deliver with conviction. Amazing. Right? And how many things could we be writing a different story? Right? Like even with depression, like how could we change the story around depression so it's not such a debilitating word? Right? Because the full range of emotions are empowering and important. We can't just be like, nah, not depressed. I don't want that word. (laughs) Bye. Right? When we're feeling that, when we're feeling depressed or super sad or low, right? I like to think that that means we need to rest. Like we have depleted our energy sources and we need to repower. So does that look like staying home all weekend and watching Netflix? Heck yeah, it does. Is that what we want to do? Is that what we're being called to do? Cool. Like, let's go. Let's do that. Let's stop making the story around that feeling a bad one. It's good. It protects us from depletion sometimes, right? It helps us to fully feel, to sink into that, to learn what we're supposed to learn and then move forward. But the reason that we don't move forward as quickly is one, we either just gloss over it, don't allow ourselves to feel it at all and pretend that we're happy. And I promise you that it's going to come back up. And I love you too much to tell you that it's not. If you just try to blaze on past it, it'll come back up somewhere. Okay. Or you'll have to keep learning the lesson. You'll see the consistencies eventually. Right. But like, if we went there, And we said, I'm just going to write a different story around that. How does that change the way we process this, the way we feel it, and the way that we get through it, right? If I'm really sad, do I just need a break? Do I need to rest? Let's give in to that. Let's feel that But let's make sure that we are in control of the story we write around the words that we assign to it. Otherwise, let's assign no words at all. If we can't make the shift in the story we tell around that feeling, if we're not able to make that shift, then I want no story at all. I want no naming at all and just deal with the feeling, right? oh, my energy feels low. Okay. 
what's a great way to increase your energy? I don't know. You know, this morning, my energy was just feeling weird and all over the place. And um, I've been doing a lot more in-person things. And so I think that's probably impacting it because I haven't quite fully understood how to manage all of this energetic space. And so like that looked like a really deep need to re-ground and re-center my energy this morning. And I feel way better, right? But like your body's telling you what what you need. We just mess it up by telling us stories of what that need means. We could start to eliminate that. As always, you're smart, you're strong, you're beautiful. What are you going to do? Change the world. Hey, you've made it all the way here. And I do want to tell you that this is like where the real listeners go to get the inside track. Because we have started to work with Brain.fm, which is an incredible meditation, creative focus app which actually helps with all of those things, focus, relaxation, creativity. Like I utilize it in so many different ways and I didn't realize that it was sort of the music app that I was lacking. And I was excited when they reached out to become an affiliate of this show um, and help my listeners utilize this platform for all the things that we talk about on this show, because music is one of those things that allows you to tap in and go to a higher level quicker than you could if you were just doing it on your own. So this helped so much in my meditative practice. It helped me from the mind wander that was constantly kind of coming up. It helped when I was in workflow for my mind to not wander into the lyrics of songs. It helped sort of just create this white noise in the background. And then this was the most unexpected help that happened. (laughs) It also helped with like getting my kids to bed and waking them up in the morning. I noticed that the general frequency of what usually would have been an up and down experience sort of leveled. And we all just experience this common calmness in all those instances where in a lot of nights and mornings, we'd have so many ups and downs. It leveled all of that out. So I'm excited. If you use the code, the death of a dream, you get 10% off of your subscription to that. Now, what I do love about it is that if it's not helping you, you can just end that subscription. So to try it for a month, it might cost you about three bucks. Okay. See if you like it, see if it works for you. And if it doesn't, you can always stop. Um, (laughs) But if it does, I think it's a really great way to tap into this self meditation, focus, presence work that we're always staying conscious of. I will have the link in the show notes every day for you to go ahead and check that on out. Hey, thanks for listening. As always, you can find me on all socials at the death of a dream that's on Instagram. We do have a Facebook page that you can follow there and then Hannah Ness on LinkedIn. Go ahead and check out the website if you feel like it. 
There are additional pieces that are not included in the podcast, um, and you can reach out and contact me anywhere. If you have any questions, message me. Let's connect. I'd love to talk through your story because everyone's story is worth being told and has worth in it.